Good morning. Uh, sorry, we're having some technical difficulties. Um, are we waiting? Are we going? Okay, we're going. Okay, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to have you here with us. Would you stand and uh, worship with us? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me
Jesus Christ. 
before you and we exalt you. God, we're thankful that we can come to your altar. Lord, we can come with confidence. We can come with boldness. And Lord, to know that you will welcome us with open arms. And Lord, I, uh, I just thank you that, God, we can come in with whatever we're coming in with. God, we can come in with excitement. We can come in with fear. We can come in with just struggles from, from left to right to all over the place, God, and know that you are welcoming us just where we are. So thank you for that truth. And God, thank you that you're with us in, in Jesus' Austin. name we pray. Amen. Good morning, guys. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you here in the church and good to be with you online. Um, I just want to let you guys know God is doing a work here. People are coming to Christ. We're, we're watching people come up to church. We're watching people, you know, accept Christ. We had three people last weekend give their lives to Jesus, people this week. So we're just, yeah, truly is exciting. And it's, you know, it's just, it's like that song, you know, we sing Waymaker. It's like, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And, and, and God just like, I'm just going to tell you I'm working, even though you don't see it or you don't feel it. 
Um, but guys, I want to tell you, this last couple of weeks, we've had a lot of exciting things. We had the, drive, uh, the drive-in the drive movie, which was super fun. You know, 75 cars came. And then this last car cruise, 85 cars showed up. It, we have people from Butler coming down, you know, and, and, and it's just exciting because these are people that are looking for connection. They're looking to connect and, you know, giving away Bibles at a car cruise. And we're watching people just take steps forward in their walk with Christ. And it's truly amazing. And so just know that God's doing an amazing work and God is moving and he's doing powerful things. And it's exciting to be here and it's exciting to be with you. Um, I want to share with you a verse just as we just we, we talk we talk about giving just consider giving it says uh, Hebrews thirteen sixteen it says do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God you know especially giving of our finances is always it's always a sacrifice and when we give when we give when it hurts you know God grows us and like Ken Ken's been saying this and it's been it's been really resonating with me is you know. Um, you, God can't grow us when we're sitting in our comfort, you know, but when we step out in comfort, even if it's just half a step, God grows us, you know, for some of the worship team, like being on stage is a little uncomfortable, but God's growing them. You know, God's growing when we take that step, when we call, when we do the different things we do, we sacrifice, we think of others before ourselves, he's growing us. And so giving is a way that God is growing us. And so thank you for giving and being faithful as we continue to give and be on mission. So you guys can give online through the mail or those boxes in the, in the auditorium or in the lobby. But let's continue. as Let's go to Lord in prayer as we continue on. God, I thank you that, um, Lord, you, you, you give us your word. You give us clarity. You give us truth. God, the world offers us no truth. Only you offer us truth. There is no other way truth in life found in existence except for Christ. And so, Lord, we can, we can take what we want from this world, but it will never fill us. It will never, uh, it will never fill the hole that we have in our lives. No relationship, no amount of finances, nothing can fill us. Only you can, Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning, as we dig into your word, as we sing another song, God, I pray that we would just, you would just increase our need for you, that we would recognize our dependency for you, that we need to cling to you, trust you, rely on you in all things. Lord, thank you for your people. And thank you for, um, God, just the ability to be on mission through our giving. Um, And, Lord, through just the different things that we are having the opportunity to sacrifice, to put others first, and to think of others. So, Lord, thank you for that. And, Lord, we pray that it is a pleasing aroma to you. Lord, we just uh, pray for this morning. We thank you for the songs that we sang and, Lord, the ones that we will sing. And, Lord, for the word that we're going to dig into. Lord, speak through Pastor Ken and and just give give us a word this morning as we dig into your word. Lord, we love you powerful name of Christ. Amen. Jesus, my strength is 
we just thank you for letting us come to this place and worship you and gathering with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're so thankful that you watch over us, that you're a provider, our protector, and our warrior in our battles. Please watch over us and keep us as we listen to this word. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Aren't you glad to be here today? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve, I tell you. <clears throat> Thanks for joining online as well. We're so thankful that we can gather. And, um, I, you know, the last two weeks I was actually online myself, all right? So I was able to uh, just take two Sundays off and a week in between and just chill out a little bit and hang out with our family. And uh, as, as we were able to do that, it was a great, great time. And I was able to watch online as uh, Pastor Al shared about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Those are some giants that we have to deal with, aren't they? And then uh, last week, Pastor Luke shared about the, uh, the, the giant of complacency, of just, uh, you know, just, j- just comfort. Like we, we, if when you're comfortable, you never grow. There's, nobody grows in a comfortable time. It's always under the pressure. It's always under the stretching is where we grow. So uh, as we continue today, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, uh, like, there's giants all over the place. We have a lot of giants that we have to deal with. And as we think of all the different giants that we have to deal with, I want to remind you of one of the giants that we're dealing with in our world today, and we are all facing this, and that is the giant of fear. I have said multiple times that we are currently in a pandemic of fear. I think that there is a pandemic of fear. Fear is created around our world. The globe is uh, is afraid of, obviously, this virus. And the globe is afraid of many things. But uh, as we live in this modern world that we're living in, this is the first time that we've ever seen a global pandemic of fear. And yes, there are legitimate issues out there. There's legitimate concerns, things that we have to take serious. But we do not have to live in fear. And I want to encourage you today, because as we look at this giant of fear, uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna just going to help you overcome fear. And there are, just because there are issues doesn't mean that we have to surrender in fear. Um, I'm going to share with you two people that I was talking with this week and uh, some of the fears that they faced and how they overcame it. Number one, there's a man that, uh, that I've gotten to know, and I'll eventually have him down here to the church one of these days. But he's a great guy, and uh, he learned the Arabic language. He went and took his wife overseas. They were just overseas this fall here, actually in, in the wintertime here. He took his wife and his kids overseas to learn the Arabic language. He's an American. Went to learn the Arabic language to minister to and care for some Arabic-speaking people here that are in the United States. And to be able to do things for them and to ultimately be able to share Jesus Christ with them, right? So he, he, is, he went over there, and he was in a Middle Eastern country. And as he was in that Middle Eastern country, let me tell you what happened. Uh, he was there when the pandemic hit. And as the pandemic hit, and it came in, and they, they shut the country down. And they shut it down to the point of this, where you weren't even allowed to leave your house. And he shared it to me like this. I had lunch with him this week. He shared it to me like this. He said, they were, in, uh, they were at the point where they could not even take the trash out. 
Imagine that. You think we had it tough. They couldn't even take the trash out. He said, I, I said, well, what about food? He said, the government was arranging to bring food to your home. Like, if you can just imagine that type of efforts. So here he is. He's trying to deal with this, and he's got his, he's got his kids with him. He's got his wife with him, and he's in this, in, in this Middle Eastern country, and the man is like, he said, the fear just comes over you. He said, the first thing I did, and the guy's a brilliant guy. Like, he, um, he is, he's one of these really, really smart people. And he went to this idea. He said, I've got to figure out how to ration my food because there's no way the government's going to get it here. So he went and he started looking. He says, all right, I've got so many days worth of food, and so we're going to hold back. We're not going to eat as much today so that we can get through the next few days, and hopefully something will change. In the meantime, he decides to connect the, uh, contact the U.S. Embassy. He connects to the U.S. Embassy over there, and the U.S. Embassy said, hey, listen, we'll make arrangements for you to get out of there. And uh, they were actually making arrangements for all the, US, uh, all the United States citizens, American citizens, to get out of that country. And, uh, and so they said, we'll call you first thing tomorrow, and we'll make arrangements to get you out of there. First thing comes in the morning, and no call comes. He continues, and he waits till afternoon. No call comes. So he gets a hold of the embassy again. And they said, oh, well, we're sorry. We have your name on the list that said that you'd rather stay. Now, could you imagine that? So this guy's like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? He said, no, we want to leave. And they said, well, we'll have a bus come by, and we'll pick you up later this afternoon because that plane will be leaving in less than 12 hours. So he quickly gathers up everything. They, I mean, they weren't like, this was not part of their plan, and they get whisked out of the country, and, he, and he's uh, back home safe. But I'll tell you what, when I talked to him, he said, listen, he said, God didn't have to do that for me. He said, I could still be stuck there. I could still be waiting on the bread truck to come from the government and, uh, and, and, and be in this terrible situation. But he looked at the, at the adversity. He, he, there was a fear there. He faced the fear, and he overcame it. I want to share with you about another friend of mine. He's in Ecuador, Daniel Gonzalez. Uh, you hear me talk about him a lot. He's our missionary down in Ecuador. And I'll tell you, he's a, he's a fantastic guy, but the, the country of Ecuador has taken some pretty serious things here during the pandemic. One of the things that he was sharing with me on the phone was that he can't leave his property, except for twice a week. He's allowed to take his car out on maybe Tuesday and Friday, only if your license plate ends in the even numbers. And the other people that have the odd number ending license plate, they get to go out on Monday and Wednesday or whatever, okay? And so he was explaining to me, he says, listen, we're just kind of stuck here, and this is for six months, folks. This isn't for six weeks. This is six months. They've been locked down. The whole country's been locked down. He said, so, so on those days, you're allowed to get out, get your food, and get back. And th- they have a ministry, and their, their ministry normally brings people in. They have this camping ministry. Normally, they bring people to camp, and they have a lot of kids coming, and, and it's a big, exciting time. He said, we normally can, you know, maybe they can handle 200 kids. He said, but one of the, one of the greatest things that happened was that they're, they moved everything online. So they're doing camp online. I'm like, how do you do camp online, right? So he's sharing with me. They do camp online, and this next week, they have their teen camp, and they have 1,100 teenagers pre-registered to watch this thing online all day long. Can we thank God for that, folks? That is incredible, okay? He has, uh, he has brought, he has faced some fear. He's dealing with it. He tells me all the time, I'm talking to him, I said, how are you doing? He asked me how we're doing. I said, yeah, the church is open. We're, we're half, half online, half in person. He's like, oh, brother, be careful, brother. 
was like, oh, Daniel, you know, I, I go over there to over, overseas and, you know, I, I'll eat anything on their streets. I never get sick. You know, I, I said, I got a good immune system. I'm all right. He goes, oh, brother, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. It's like, okay, brother, it's okay, it's okay. And, uh, and so, but listen, he's facing and he, he's being cautious. He's, he's doing the right thing, but he's also not letting it held him back. And he's overcome the fear. He's faced the fear. And so, folks, we have this giant in our life of fear right now. And, uh, and it's not just over the pandemic. It's over many things. There are many things that will cause fear. But I want you to catch this because we've been taking 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's been our text for this series. And we're looking at different aspects from, uh, from David's fight with Goliath. Now, David wins. But God never promised that we would always have the victory in the way that you want it to be. He never promised that we wouldn't get sick. He never promised that Christians wouldn't, uh, wouldn't die. I, I've done many Christian funerals. God, God never promised those things. And, and so many times we think that, like, uh, you know, if, if God is going to do his thing, uh, if we're going to win, if we're going to have victory, it's going to be because, you know, uh, that, that it's going to be my way. It's going to be that I will get this thing right now. No, God says that we will go through pain. He says in this world you will have trials but I have overcome the world. You will have pain. You will have suffering. But as we're looking at these giants today, I want you to consider with me 1 Samuel 17, 4. Uh, then Goliath, so the battle's raging, right? The, 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 he's, he's been taunting. A Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. And so, you know, uh, with a casual read, you just kind of read through there. But I want to stop on this word champion for a bit. The word champion, now look at this. What, what do you know about a champion? What comes to your mind when you're thinking about a champion? Shout out. What, what comes to your mind? A winner, right? So the champion is the winner. He, he won the most games. He won, he, he, you know, he's got the trophy, right? Champions get trophy. What else does a champion get? Champions get bragging rights. Have you ever noticed that? Did you ever get around a champion who wins? I mean, like, yeah, you know, I've gone to many championship parades because we live in Pittsburgh, the city of champions. Huh? Isn't that awesome? Uh, I've been down to a few Steeler parades whenever we won the Super Bowls. I've been down to a few, pi- I'm not, not to Pirates, Pirates don't have any parades, okay? <laughs> I've been down to a few Penguins parades, all right? Uh, I'll never forget in the 90s when we won the first Super Bowl, Phil Allen and I, we went down there, we went down to this parade, we were having so much fun, we were like crazy kids, we were, we were young, we had so much fun. Uh, I remember then whenever, uh, the first Super Bowl, the first Stanley Cup, I'm sorry, when the Penguins won the first Stanley Cup, their first Stanley Cup, we were down there. And then whenever they won, remember the year they won the back-to-back cups? I remember taking my kids down, and we went down, and we saw the Penguin Parade, and, and we're just down there uh, screaming, and yeah, you know why? Why? Because we are the champions, my friend, right? So that's what happens. The champion has bragging rights. I'll never forget when I was... Uh, my kids were little when I was coaching softball. And, uh, and you know, they would, the people loved to play against me because they would win. Um, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> I had this team, and, and, and I really didn't know how to coach. I didn't know how to play softball. I just loved kids, and I loved people. And, and the parents knew that, but they would like to win every now and then, you know? And so we'd go and we'd play. And I remember we went through this one season. And we're talking eight and under softball. 
But uh, we went through one season. I think I won two games. So it come time for playoffs. Everybody's in the playoffs. So what they did was you had Division A and you had Division B. I was the number last seed in Division A, the, the very last. So you know what that meant in the playoffs? We had to play the number one seed from Division B. So you know what all the parents were saying to me as we went to this game? Why are we even going to this game? We're just going to lose. They're so good. They, you know, I mean, this team, when we got out there and they're, they're warming up, they're like, <gasps> you know, they're doing their thing, and, and they're intimidating us. Why? Because they're the champions. They haven't lost the game all season. And I'll tell you what, I'll never forget going out there. I'm like, I didn't even want to go because I kept hearing the champion. I kept hearing his record. They kept telling me how good this team was, and I knew that we couldn't compete, right? So we get out there, and I start to compete, and we start to play the game. And, and somehow God was gracious to us, and we knocked that number one seat out. I'll never forget it. It was playoffs, man. And, and my, my, you know, at eight and under, the kids don't even know who's winning, right? It's the parents who play that game, right? So, so we, we, we knew who was winning and losing. And I was like, yes, we took the number one seed down. Take that, you champion, you know? Uh, and, and so I'll never forget that. Why? Because I didn't listen to the rhetoric. I didn't listen to his record. Yeah, he was number one. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, we showed up and we had the best day of our year. Three days later, we came back for round two, and we got clobbered. <laughs> I mean, we got clobbered. It was like we, we proved it. We had no business being there. But we knocked out the number one seed. And I mean, and they were stunned. You should have saw. I seen grown men crying that day, man. You know, they were like upset. They're throwing their gloves down. Like, this can't be, look, we got beat by the pastor. Come on. You know, they're like, what the heck, you know? And, uh, and, but I want you to catch this. Here's what happens. When the champion comes out. The giants in your life, they come out as champions, and they tend to tell you their record, and when you're hearing their record, you're hearing how bad you are. The champions that you face in your life are telling you that you're no good, telling you that you can't do it, telling you that it will always be the same, that you always live in defeat, that you will never move forward. Look here at, uh, as we continue on, the scripture that they, they shared and they talked about the, the amount of armor. Told him that he had 125 pounds of armor. I mean, it was just pure intimidation. Says that he had a spear, it was like a beam. And, and the spearhead was 15 pounds. He had an armor bearer that went before him. Fear has been a tactic. I share with you today, fear has been a tactic of the enemy from day one. Remember that. Satan's number one tactic against us is fear. Look in the Garden of Eden. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What happened in the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden came, uh, uh, Adam and Eve came. They saw that here was this beautiful fruit. God said, don't eat or you will surely die. And Satan comes up and he casts some doubt. He places fear in their mind. Satan says, will you really be like God? Like, like God's, you're going to miss out on something. Like, like you, you would be more like God if you ate this. And why don't you do this? And so, so what he does is he comes and he casts this fear on them. And they have the fear of missing out. Folks, we deal with this today. Don't you have the fear of missing out? I think there's some FOMO or something out there. Isn't that what that's called, right? Fear of missing out. We all have to deal with that, the fear of missing out. This has been since day one. Like, like somehow they're going to miss out. You know what? They didn't miss out. 
They got eternal damnation as the sentence that day. And God's whole story of redemption came across. And God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to sacrifice my own son so that you do not have to be eternally separated from me. Yes, your body will die. Your soul will not have to experience eternal death because Jesus came and died on the cross. And if you'll simple childlike faith, trust that he died, was buried, and rose again, you'll have eternal life. Can we thank God for that victory? The victory has been given. Amen. That's our God. Look, uh, look, look here, though. Fear, what does fear do? Fear grips us. Now, check this out. Fear grips us whenever we believe that apart from or in spite of our efforts, of our best efforts, that something undesirable is going to happen, and we can't stop it. You see, that's where fear comes in. So, so there are many things that you are afraid of. Many things that we deal with. Sometimes fear comes out as irrational. Sometimes it comes out as rational. You know, fear is like the little indicator light sometimes. We know there's danger. So when there's danger, we have to deal with it. So, so fear is there to, to help you know, hey, you better deal with this thing. But many times we don't deal with it. We just live in fear. And we become paralyzed by fear. Uh, fear affects people differently. Some people uh, just have sheer terror. And as you look in the, in the New Testament around some of the end times writing, you'll see some, uh, some Greek words meaning terror. And that's what we see in our world today. And the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more terror. What is terror? Fear. The more and more fear. Folks, we are getting, we are one day closer to the return of Christ. You know how I know? Because he said he would come back again. And I'm a year closer than I was last year. And I'm 20 years closer than I was 20 years ago. We are one day closer. He says that he may return at any moment. So we're not to live in fear of his return. That's a joyful thing, isn't it? Don't live in fear of, of his return. Live in rejoicing because, man, I'm excited. God comes back. I don't have to worry about these stupid knees anymore, you know? It's going to be good. I'm going to move on, and God's going to take this. Um, many of us live in, in, uh, in anxiety, nervousness stomach problems like like it, fear can affect you in your stomach it, it can create worry it can create stress it can create dread it can create tension fear binds us and it steals our joy if you you show me a person living in fear i'll show you somebody that is not walking in the joy of the lord because the joy of the Lord, he promised to be with you. And what happens is we take our eyes off of God and what he's doing, and we, and we go to the problems. And, folks, Jesus said, in this world, you will have problems. So I want to let you know, you will have problems. God didn't promise us a problem-free life. Look here, um, 1 Samuel 17. He says, I defy the armies. This was Goliath. He says, I defy the armies. He'd been talking trash. He'd been talking about his record. He's the champion and how good he is. Send me a man who will fight me. And so this taunting had been going on. And look what Saul did. When Saul and the, Israelite heard, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. You know, we, we, look, at the, we look at this passage and everybody knows that, hey, the end... He took him down with, five, with you know, five smooth stones. And on the first one, he took him down and he died. He took the giant down. But I want us to focus in on this thought. 
They were terrified and deeply shaken. Folks, this is a natural response when we sense danger. There there are sometimes things that are sudden dangers. There are sometimes things that are not sudden dangers, things that have been going on for years, and and we are are terrified. So where does fear come from? How how do we deal with fear? Like, like why why are we seeing a lot of people living in fear? First of all, I want to give you this. Some families, you will notice some families tend to be more fearful. Like you may get around a certain, certain family and like your mother was always fearful and made you second guess everything. You were always fearful. Your dad was always fearful. Didn't want you to ever fail. Didn't want anything that bad to ever happen. So, so you grew up in, a, in an environment of fear. And so it's just like you, you have this fear all over you. And so it, it not only does it stop you in pandemic times, but it, it stops you in times of good times. Whenever you're going to apply for the job because you're worried about failing. Uh, whenever, you're, whenever you're going to have a relationship because, you know, it's not perfect. Um, so, so you have all that. So, so we, you know, remember what your mother always said, the last thing on the way out the door? And be careful, right? So, so, so we can grow up in that environment. Um, how about control? Jim Watts keeps telling me about this all the time. He says, many people deal with fear because they live in wanting to be in control. Control is something that we all have to struggle with, we all fight with, because we want, to, we want everything to be done right, we want it to be perfect, and we think somehow that if I'm the one who's making the decisions, if I'm the one who is in control, that everything will be okay. And folks, may I tell you, you're not in control of too many things. Did you notice that? There's not too many things you're in control of. I think I can control when I cut the grass and when I paint the house. And beyond that, I can't control anything. You know, I can't control. I, I, I had this, you know, raising a family. You have these people in your house, and, and God's given you them to raise. And I, I can't control what comes out of their mouth. I can barely control what goes in. I, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like I, 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 you can't control these things. I can't control, uh, uh, you, you know, I can't control another human being's decision uh, for their lifestyle. I can't control that. Only, only God can control that. Like, you're going to go raise your kids, you're going to give them the best that they can, and then they're going to make their decision to follow God or not, and it's really hard, and you're out of control. You're not in control, and so we live in this fear of, will my kids turn out all right? We live in this fear of, will, will my job be okay? You know, if I can just keep, keep going down the, down the upward climb of my career, and so we want to be in control, but may I share with you that the enemy uses fear to paralyze us with a record of failure. The enemy keeps coming to you and reminding you of your failure. Jesus reminds you of your future. Now catch that. Because when you hear, oh, I failed over here. Yeah, it's true, you failed. It's legit, you failed. But it doesn't mean that you're going to fail again. You failed over there. It's okay. God's grace is sufficient. Now, if I, if I don't learn from my failures, if I don't grow from the failures, I'll probably fail again. But here's what happens. The enemy comes and the enemy says, you are no good. You have no value. Do you hear the giant of fear? You are no good. You have no value. You are a failure. That's not the message of Jesus. When we end up living like the Israelites did, we end up like this, terrified, shaken in our boots. 
And this is what happens, folks. I see fear is a, the pandemic of fear is not just in regards to the virus, but in regards to life in general, regards to your career, regards to your family, regards to relationship, regards to your Christian life. Oh, I went to camp and, and, and I threw the stick in the fire and I gave my life to God. And a month later, I went out and got drunk. Oh, I went out and I did this. And a month later, I, I, I went on the retreat. I went on, you know, women go on the women's retreat. I went on the women's retreat. I was on fire for God. Now I'm just melting down all the time. Listen, here's what happens. Satan wants to come and say, oh, you failed and you're never going to be there. When you hear words like never, always, it's never going to get better, that is the enemy talking. That's the giant of fear. Continuing on in 1 Samuel 17, uh, as, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. So th- this was a regular, and this is what champions do. Champions brag about their record all the time. Go down to the Steelers, and you'll see all the trophies, won't you? Cleveland Browns don't have those trophies, do they? (laughs) Mark, I hope you're watching today. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fear. Folks, many people are living like this today. They come to church, oh, God is so good. I sing his praises. He's the big God of the universe. And then they get into work on Monday, and they're living in the valley of the shadow of death. And where's God? They left him at church. They, 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 like, they didn't take and, and, and place him at the center. They, they said, okay, God, over here. And then they didn't like carry this on into their life. This is what the Israelites did. They were the people of God. And, and they were running in fright. And, and so God has to do something really powerful here and send a shepherd boy in to win the war. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Um, you know, one part of our mind believes the truth, and the other goes by our feelings. And, folks, I tell you over and over, don't go by your feelings. Your feelings are up and down and up and down. You have to make decisions, and you have to keep moving your life forward. All you can hear is the enemy saying that you can't do it. Things will never change. You're unable. You're a failure. So how do we overcome fear? How do we overcome this fear? How do I face the giant? See, if I don't, I just keep going and living in fear. I keep, I, I keep uh, just letting it exhibit in all areas of my life. But how do I overcome that fear? Number one, I've got to come to fear with faith. But if faith is only something on Sunday, what about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? And so God says, I want you to have much more than a Sunday faith. I want you to have faith that is with you all the time because he is with you all the time. And so check this out, Romans 10, 17. Here's how you build faith. You got it? Let's read this together. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I want you to catch that because he says this is how your faith grows. We come to faith in Jesus Christ. He gives us eternal life when you place your faith that Jesus died on the cross, 
that he was buried, and that he rose again. He is the ever-living Savior. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Can we thank God for that? Let's thank him. He's a great God, right? He's called us unto himself. But I also want you to get this. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. That same faith that produces the eternal life because it was what Jesus did. He's the one who produced it. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what we have to do is we have to take his word and we have to get into it and we have to let it change our life and we have to let him build it and let him grow the courage in our life. And it comes from his word by hearing the word of God. Now let me, let me phrase it differently here. Fear, where does fear come from? Fear comes from hearing. And hearing whatever news channel you watch, right? They put up this many people are dying, this thing's happening, this bad thing's happening all over the world. Fear comes by hearing, and hearing the giant tell you that you failed. You see the voices that we keep hearing? We keep listening to the giants. We keep listening to the bullies. We keep listening to the championship who has no business coming up and playing the pastor anyhow, right? We keep listening to those champions. And, and, and so, so then faith comes by hearing. Fear also comes by hearing. And what happens, folks, is we listen to the wrong things. When you are listening to the wrong things out there, you will live in fear. You will go from doctor to doctor. You will go from uh, anxiety to anxiety. You will go from friend to friend. Everything will die. Listen, when we focus on the giants, we become more fearful because you're hearing their record. God's word tells us that Jesus is enough. And so here's what happens. Many people have, I know great theologians that know this book that are living in fear. Fear of not just the pandemic. That's one thing. Listen, this next time next year, we're going to look on this and say, oh, do you remember when that happened? I really believe that. Like, you, know, you might, I don't know, we might have chairs 20 feet apart by then, but we're still going to laugh about it, right? We're going to look at it, and that's going to be in hindsight. It's going to be in a rearview mirror. But as you keep moving forward and you keep moving in faith, if you focus on the giant, you will become even more fearful. But when we focus in on God's word, we become courageous. And so the, the, the thing is to not just become a mental ascent. Many people have come to a mental ascent of Christianity. They've come to a mental ascent of, of the word of God. But, but to overcome fear and overcome any other issue, Life, faith comes by hearing and the Word of God. So I want to encourage you. You may, be, you may be a person who gets up and reads God's Word every day. I want to encourage you to let it stick with you all day, to, like, keep it into your heart. Uh, the, 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 his Word, the God's Word tells us that His Word is bigger than any situation I seek. Because here's what happens, folks. Many of us are putting faith in the desired outcome. God says, put your faith in me, and I'll be with you. I will never leave you. He says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for those who love him. They work together for good for those who love him. 
Put your faith in him. Trust him. God has the power to take bad things and make them good. That's what God does. That's the faith that we have to walk with. Let us run to God. Listen, they, they ran away in fear. Let us run to God. Uh, run to God's word when I'm afraid instead of running away in fear. When we focus on the giants, we're fearful. When we focus on God, and it's about your focus. It's not about knowledge, folks. It's about your focus. Uh, we, we don't have to live a life of fear. The world around us is filled with fear, but our hearts do not have to be filled with fear. Amen? The world around us. And listen, the world has been filled with fear before the pandemic. The world has been filled with fear. You know, the number one thing I'm hearing right now in the news media all the time is death. And, and they're talking about your fear of death. And folks, Jesus said, be not afraid of those who can harm the body. Like, like we, we have a whole globe that's shutting down because we're afraid of death. Well, I'm not afraid of it because that is the beginning of the rest of eternity, right? And so God, Jesus himself says, fear not death. Fear not those that, 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 that can take this body. Because, listen, this is nothing. Now, I'm not lining up to get any disease either. Like Daniel Gonzalez told me, I wash my hands. And I try not to touch my face. And I'm very cautious. So we, we're, we're not to be foolish and say there's nothing happening out there. But we're to come and know that God has a plan. Today we fear so many things. We fear the virus. Uh, one of the things I'm hearing a lot of people are fearing right now is making the right decision for my kid regarding school. And folks, may I just speak to you for a second? That is a big decision. And I get it and I understand where you're coming from. That is the hardest decision that you've made in years. And I want to encourage you to take it to God and make a decision. Um, when, our, when 9-11 happened, Carice, I believe, was in kindergarten down there, or first grade. And uh, she was down at the, at the elementary school. And I'll never forget that I'm watching on TV the United States of America being attacked. I'm watching in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, a plane go down. And we're being attacked. And I called the school to get my daughter out. And they said, sir, we're under lockdown. You can get her at 3 o'clock. Do you know what was going on in my heart at that moment? Fear. I couldn't even get my little baby and hold her. Sorry, little baby. I couldn't even go grab her and hold her. I couldn't, like, and and then we brought her home and, and tried to not, like, Act like nothing happened, except that while you're watching planes hit buildings all day, right? And it's like, wow. And then for several days, school was shut down. Everything was shut down. And, and I realized that the pandemic has been a longer season than this. So I want to encourage you, parents, I understand where you're at. And I want to tell you that all the decisions that you have to make, you have a lot of good, viable decisions. Whether if you put them in school all day or you do half time, you do their school at home, you do another brand of homeschooling, you do cyber schooling. Listen, all these decisions are all good. And I want to encourage you, God placed you as the parent. God trusted you with that child. And so you seek him, you make that decision, and you don't look back. A wise person told me this in Bible college. He stood up in our chapel and he said, make a decision and make it work. 
And folks, part of the fear is you're going to, listen, James says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He'll, he'll, he'll be unstable. And so I want to encourage you, parents, with your schooling decision right now, you are there to make the best decision for that child. You don't have to make anybody else's decision. And it doesn't matter what anybody else's decision is. It's your decision. And you never look back. Could you imagine if you did that when you got married? Well, I wonder what happened if I'd have married the other girls back there waiting in line. And the line was long. <laughs> you know, could you imagine that? You'd never have a relationship. You'd never, you'd never have a marriage. Well, I wonder what would happen. You know that girl in seventh grade, she always did have a sweet spot for me. Yeah, until she dumped me for the football player. But, you know, I mean, she had a good sweet spot, right? Uh, what what would have happened? You don't go back and look and say what would have, what should have. You make your decisions and you make them work and you move forward. We focus on the Word of God. We become courageous. You can't do it without the Word of God. Look at the things we fear today. We fear failure. We fear rejection. We fear loneliness. These things are all legitimate fears. Like, listen, the fear of rejection has always been here and it always will be here. The pandemic will be gone. You're going to be looking at fear of rejection two years from now. The fear of failure, I, I, I won't take that job because I just might fail. Stupid fly. I won't, I, won't, I won't branch out into a relationship. I won't get to know anybody in church because, because I'll be, I'm afraid that I'll be lonely. I'm afraid that I'll be rejected. And if I say hi to people, I'll put, I'll put myself out there and they might not like who I really am. Do you see the fears? And listen, God says, you're my child. You're my child. I love you. I have fearfully and wonderfully made you. And so we've got to go to God's word. Jesus doesn't want you to live in fear, and neither do you. Have you ever heard anybody say, wow, my life is so much better now that I've learned how to fear? You ever hear anybody say that? How about this? My kids are so happy that I'm a hypochondriac. Thank God I'm a pessimist. <laughs> the doctor says that uh, if I don't start learning how to fret, I may lose my health. You know, you don't hear that. The cost of fear is high. How do we do it? How do we face fear? Listen, folks, do you know what's happening in our world? People are self-medicating their fear. Did you hear the statistic? Alcohol sales during the pandemic, during the shutdown, were up 500%. Not 50%, 500%. What do you think people were doing with that fear? You know what happens when we self-medicate? We self-medicate with drinking binges, withdrawal. That's a big one. Other people just withdraw. I'm going to shut down, and I'm better off not to talk to anybody. Angry outbursts. Other people just have angry outbursts. You deal with your fear by angry outbursts. You know what happens when we do all that? We exclude God from the solution. We just take him right out and we say, yep, the only solution to this is what I can do. And may I share this with you? Hysteria is not from God. 2 Timothy 1.7. Read it with me. For God. Try it with me again, all right? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God wants you to go out and make a difference in this world. He doesn't want you to be afraid of anything. Christians never ran from fear. Look at history. They never ran. They never ran away from the problem. Israelites did there. Look at the history of Christianity the last 2,000 years. When there was problems, the Christians were the ones that take medicine into the sick people first. We went into foreign countries, and we were the first to build hospitals. That's what God did, right? Why? Because he has not given us the spirit of fear. But he's given us the spirit of a sound mind, of power, and of love. You know, in the, in the New Testament, Jesus gives 125 imperatives. 125 times he says, do this, do this, do this. Out of that 125, 21 times he says, do not fear. 21 times. You know how many times Jesus said to love your neighbor? Eight. I've heard a lot of sermons on loving my neighbor. But somehow we think that fear is like Jesus doesn't care. Jesus knows that we're afraid. And he says, don't let fear grab your life. Do not be afraid. Oh, I love this. Matthew 14, 20, uh, 22 and, and forward, Jesus is on the, uh, he goes up to pray. And let me just read through the story here. After he had seen the crowds went away, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long way, a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So, so he's out, uh, the disciples went out, and he says, I want you guys to go out and fish, rest, relax, I'm going up on the mountain to pray. The storm comes in, and the storm is battering, and, and the disciples are probably covered in water from, for it's so, so heavy and so wet. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So Jesus leaves his prayer time. He's done praying, and he knows that his disciples are really struggling out there. The storm is raging, and what does he do? But he gets out, and he walks on the water. And look how the disciples, they saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified. See the fear? And they said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and he said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And I love what Peter does. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He sees him, hey, if that's really you, just call me. So Jesus says, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. So, so just imagine Peter, I'm walking on water. This is amazing. There's Jesus, and we thought we were going to die. And that's just so cool. We thought he was a ghost, and it's really you. But all of a sudden, he sees the wind, and he became frightened. So what he does is he's looking at Jesus, but all of a sudden, a splash comes on him, and another splash comes on him, and another splash comes on him. And, and he takes a gulp of water in, and he says, Lord, save me. I'm going to die. And he's 10 feet away from Jesus. Lord, save me. I'm going to die. Look what Jesus does. Immediately, Jesus stretches out his hand, and he took a hold of him, and he said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Why? I'm right here in front of you. When they got on the boat, the wind stopped. He calms the sea down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, this is the Son of God. Folks, Peter had him right in front of him. You know what happens when fear comes in? We get spiritual amnesia. 
Spiritual amnesia. Fear tends to foster spiritual amnesia. In other words, we forget how good God is. We forget what he has done. Do you realize what those disciples saw? They saw saw him heal sick people. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him heal the leper. They saw him take Peter's, uh, raise Peter's mother-in-law from her bed of affliction. They saw him cast out demons. But yet, they all of a sudden have this spiritual amnesia. And folks, when you let fear grip you, you come and you have that spiritual amnesia. Hunter, I think we have a slide there, right? Uh, Fear fosters spiritual amnesia. And I want to encourage you, let's not live in that fear. Because what will happen is it'll, it'll, it'll take the wind out of your calling. You'll forget that you're here to tell your neighbor about Jesus. When you're living in fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of loneliness, fear of the virus, fear of everything. God is the champion. So what's the practical step? I'm going to close with this thought today. Psalm 16.8. Check this verse out. Psalm 16.8. Read it with me, all right? I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Psalmist says, I have set him before me. The storms are raging. I have set him before me. He is at my right hand. I will not. I will not be shaken. How do you do that? You have to make a conscious decision every day. Some people say, I have a great quiet time, but I'm living in fear. It's because you've not set him before you. You see, if you had a great quiet time and you move forward, you set him behind you. You made that a compartment of your life. Set him before you. He's right here. All the time. And folks, I'm going to share this with you. I, I'm holding these little cards up here. On these cards are verses from God's Word. And at one point, somewhere along the journey, I have memorized every one of these. I'd taken them and I, I would put them in my pocket and I committed them to memory. And I said, okay, God, I, I want to know you and I, I want your Word to be with me. And, and I didn't even know why I was memorizing them. Then, then I went through a real period of some real self-esteem struggles. Like just facing that fear of failure, that fear of rejection. Then I found the Psalm 139, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I wrote it on a 3 by 5 card. And I stuck the 3 by 5 card in my shirt. And I walked around with that for months. And every time I had that temptation to feel like I'm no good, I pulled out that verse again. And I read, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, uh, I had a failure in the past. Yeah, I did fail. Okay, God, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, what I did was I set the Lord before me. Look at what verse 9 says. He says here, he says, Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. I want to encourage you. Go home and stop at Rite Aid on the way home. Get your pack of three by five cards and start writing down a verse. And keep it with you. And pull it out, like, like, like start the habit to pull it out. Because let me tell you what happened. I did that for years, and these verses are all in my heart. They're all committed to memory. And now whenever I face that rejection, man, Psalm 139 comes right at me. When I face fear, when I face failure, when I face all these things, man, the, the, the Word of God comes right at me. Why? Because for years I went like this. And I pulled it out. 
I put it on the dashboard of my car. I put it on the refrigerator. I put it everywhere. And, and you know, you may get an app that will help you do this, whatever. I want to encourage you. If you'd like to get some of these, uh, call, email the church this week. I'll get you these things. We're going to have them available next week. I want to help you to be able to get into God's Word. Know who He is. Be secure in Christ. And just start memorizing. You know what? Memory work is not just for third graders, folks. God has given this so that we could be a sound mind. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person today. Lord, we are battling a lot out there. There's the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of a virus, the fear of job loss, the fear of relationship loss. God, we are your people. And you told us 365 times in your word to fear not. God, help your people with this practical step that they would fear not, that they would trust you as they get out of the boat. And while they're getting wet and they're being tossed about, that they would remember that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, folks, we're glad that you're here today. Thanks for joining online. God bless you. are dismissed. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name.